Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. Well, I, I, honestly, there's, there's far too much uh, to share than what we can do in a service. And so what we're going to do is we're going to schedule a, uh, an evening, w- maybe with a dinner or something, where we can share in much greater detail the work of New Tribes Missions in Papua New Guinea because it's a work worth sharing the details about. I- I've never been so impressed with an organization as I was with that organization. And the work they're doing there is effective and it is, it is worth supporting. And there are so many ways that all of us can get involved in the work that they're doing uh, that, that it's just, again, it's just this kind of beautiful organization. You'll hear me share. I'm sure I'll be sharing stories from this trip for years to come in sermons. But um, so I will pay attention to your e-newsletters and, and your announcements at church. We'll, we'll get a date scheduled where we can share more information about the trip. And, and uh, hopefully, if you're interested, you, you could be a part of that meeting. Um, so as we were kind of, you know, going through this trip and watching uh, the lives of uh, the, you know, the missionaries that are there doing the work that they're doing, and, and uh, just as we were all sharing just now, just how impressive that is uh, when you see people who will step up to God's call in such a real and meaningful way and, uh, and just say, God, whenever, wherever, whatever you need me to do, that's what I will do. Um, and and it's, just, it's just incredible. It's just incredible. I heard Nate share at the conference when he was giving his report about the Paul tribe uh, with just tears in his eyes. Um, I mean, he just put himself all out there in this report. And with tears in his eyes, began to share his burden for the Paul people and began to share stories of, of men that he had, had become his friends within that tribe. That um, one man in particular he was talking about was a guy that had started with the literacy school and then gotten kind of gravely ill and uh, was refusing treatment and just kind of waiting to die. And Nate, with tears in his eyes, began to share about this friendship and about this man. And just and, and like I said earlier, they're in this stage where they are teaching the language. They haven't they've been there five years and haven't yet been able to get the gospel in the hands of these people. And Nate was saying, I, I it, it breaks my heart. I, I don't want one more person to die before I can get the gospel in their hands. And he is just heartbroken for these people. And this is as I watched that, and as I watched and heard the stories of you know countless other missionaries that we got to know while we were over there and, and similar burdens and that sort of thing. And it began to uh, just kind of, God began to grab a hold of my heart and began to teach me a lesson, which was this, that they have this urgency to get the gospel out over there because people are dying. And God began to, to tell me that uh, our, our gospel mission here is no less urgent than it is in PNG. No less urgent. When was the last time you mourned the loss of somebody in the community that you live in just because you didn't get to share what God has given you and what the hope that you have in Christ? When was the last time it broke your heart to see people passing on because they maybe didn't get to hear the gospel message that we have an urgent mission here? And what I love seeing that has been happening in uh, this church um, over the last a uh, couple of years or so is that I see many of you and I have conversations with many of you who are feeling that call of God in your life in various ways and you're getting excited about it and you're, you're praying those prayers and you're saying, God, I want to be that guy. I want to be that lady. I want to be that person who will tell you, 
I will do whatever you need me to do. I'll go wherever you need me to go. I, want, I don't want casual faith anymore. I don't want to just sit on the sidelines and watch people die and go to hell. God, I'll make me a part of the gospel work that you are doing. Use me however you need to use me. And I talk to so many of you that are getting so excited about that work. And this is what normally happens. You're so excited. And then the next conversation, often the times that I have with you, is one of frustration where you become frustrated that things, either things aren't going as fast as you would like them to go or things aren't going the direction you thought they were going to go or, or, things, or, or, or this is the real frustration, that things aren't going as smoothly as you hoped they would go or they're different than you thought. It's different than you thought it would be, this whole kind of giving your life over to God and saying, I'll do whatever. It's different than you thought it would be. As I spoke, I mean, we're going to go several weeks, uh, through, uh, three or four weeks through um, the life of Elijah. And I, this is the same messages I shared with the missionaries in Papua New Guinea. And as we were talking about life spent living out your calling in Christ Jesus is shockingly a lot like life. Life spent living out your calling is shockingly a lot just like life. I think a lot of us have this idea that, that when I step up to the plate and tell God, God, I will do whatever you need me to do. I'll go wherever you need me to go. Use me however you want to use me. That somehow you're going to lift up to some sort of higher spiritual plane where you're going to rise above all the problems of life. And in fact, you're not even going to be impacted by them. That this is what all of us, you know, as somebody who has who has spent a, a good majority of my life seeking out God's calling in my life and following Him in the ways that I feel Him leading me to go, I can tell you this, that life spent following God's call in your life, there are still bills to be paid. There are still dishes to be done. There are still kids to take care of. There's still little leagues to have to drive kids to. There's still relationships that need mending. There's still pain and death there's still life you don't get a get out of life free card when you start following god you still have to deal with life and it can be so frustrating i think for some of us to step up in such a big way we feel like it's a big way like like i think and we would never say this but i think in our mind somewhere down deep we, we have this feeling like Man, I blessed God so hard. He has me now. I just offered myself up, and, I, and, I, and he has, you know, what more could he want from me? And so why isn't he making my life easy now? I just gave him everything. Why, why don't I get to rise above all this life that's going on and just kind of live serving him? Life still keeps coming at us. Life still keeps coming at us. We don't get that get-out-of-life free card. As we look into the story of Elijah, uh, here's a guy, a prophet of God, Old Testament prophet, who was, Elijah was a hardcore prophet. Like, he didn't mind delivering a hard message. And, um, and, and you're, he's got some, we, there's some really interesting stories in this guy's life. But starting off this week, we, we, we kind of first meet Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 17, starting with verse 1, it says this. It says, now Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, Ahab was the king, <clears throat> Elijah said this to him, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, to Elijah, and said this, Depart from here and turn eastward 
and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Lucky Elijah. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and he went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. All right, let me stop right there. for Let me kind of, kind of unpack what's happening here. So God calls his, his man, the prophet Elijah, and he says, I need you to deliver a hard message to the king. I need you to go tell the king that because of his wickedness and the wickedness of the people in this land, that what's going to happen is there's going to be a drought. There's not going to be one drop of rain, not even a a little bit of dew in the morning that's going to hit the ground because of your wickedness. And it's going to stay that way until I change my mind, until I decide to let the rain fall. You're not going to see a drop. And Elijah, now imagine yourself, imagine God gives you a message and says, I need you to go park out at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, and I need you to go tell our president that because of the wickedness of this land and the wickedness of his leadership or whatever else that that might be, then I'm not making a political statement, I'm just using this example, okay? And, and so because of this, um, that this catastrophe is going to fall on this country Imagine God impressing that message upon you to go and deliver to the most powerful person in the country and imagine what your feelings would be about that. And I don't know how you would feel, but I know what Elijah did. Elijah said, okay, I'm going to go give that message. And he goes and walks up to the king and he said, you're wicked. You got no rain. I'll see you later. (laughs) And he walks away and then God in his provision because Elijah just stepped up and answered God's call in a big way in a big way. And God is going to take care of his man. And he says, this is what I want you to do. There's this drought coming. I want you to go hang out by this brook. And that's where you're going to get your water from. And on top of that, I'm going to send ravens to give you meat and bread twice a day. Now, I'm, I'm somewhat new in my life to California. I've lived here a while, but, but kind of grew up in Oklahoma. I don't know about the ravens out here. I do know about the ravens back home. Uh, If you know ravens, uh, you know the kind of meat they get, okay? Uh, basically, between the bread and the raven meat, uh, Elijah was getting basically roadkill sandwiches twice a day, okay? So now before you think, oh, lucky Elijah, deal with the roadkill sandwiches twice a day and then, and then, then come back to me. But, but that's why he was getting meat from the ravens, a little bit of bread stolen off of somebody's you know, window or something, and then, and then uh, water from the brook. God is providing for his man. His man stepped up and, and said, you know, I'll answer the call. I'll do what you told me to do. God provides until he doesn't. Until the brook runs dry and the ravens stop showing up. And now Elijah is hungry. Now, the, the part I'm going to kind of, uh, um, you know, go through without reading it, you can read it on your own, down a, little bit, a few verses next is that as Elijah sits there thirsty and hungry, wondering how God is going to provide, and I'm sure crying out to God, saying, God, I need you right now. I I answered your call. I did what you asked me to do. I followed you in the direction that you led me. I need you to show up for me in a big way. God's response is, I want you to go talk to this little old widow lady, this poor widow who has one son, and they're on their last leg. They're on their last leg. I got to tell you, 
I, I seriously doubt it was anywhere on Elijah's radar that when he stepped up and started following God in a big way and did the things that God asked him to do, that the, I doubt he ever saw it coming that the provision would run out and he would be begging from a poor widow. And yet that was God's plan. I, I don't think he saw that one coming. I don't think he saw that coming at all. I mean, he literally became those TV evangelists that we make fun of who are, you know, begging from little widows to give over their, their social security checks. But somehow that was God's plan for him. I mean, he wasn't evil like those guys and greedy like those guys, but it's still the same kind of scenario. And that was God's plan for him. In fact, he goes to this widow lady who, and he says, um, you know, I, I need you to give me some food. I would like for you to give me some food. And she, her response to him is, is so great. She says, basically, I've got like a handful of meal left. I was just getting ready to bake a little bitty cake, all I could, all I could make, just a little bit of, bit of bread. I was going to give some of it to, to my son and some of it to myself, and then we were going to die. Then we were going to die. <laughs> and I'm, You're, you're going to find out why I'm laughing here in just a second. Because Elijah's response to that is, I know, but feed me first. Just go ahead and feed me first. And what's even greater than that response is that the widow goes, okay. <laughs> All right, I guess I needed that piece of cake anyway. And, and she makes a little meal for Elijah. She steps out on faith. She answers God's call in her life in a big way, steps out and does what God has called her to do in that moment in a big way, in a sacrificing way. And then we're told that the meal never ran out. God did a multiplication meal, uh, work miracle on the food there in her house, and they were provided for. So here now you have this woman who has stepped up. Elijah has stepped up in a big way, and God has taken care of him. This woman has stepped up in a big way. God has taken care of her. And it seems like there's going to be a happy ending to this story until the next verse we read that the woman's son dies. And she reaches out to Elijah. She's like, what is it that you're bringing in my house? What kind of God would do this? She's just grieving. That was not part of her plan. She didn't see that one coming. When she stepped up and gave her all to God, she didn't see that one coming, that God would take her son. That God had different plans. That's where we pick up. Oh, let me share my first point with you <laughs> because it's important. God has a plan. Good luck trying to figure it out. All right, God has a plan. Good luck trying to figure it out. All right, it's, that's where we are. When we step up, you need to know that when you step up to God's call in your life, that God is in control. He is sovereign over everything. He has a plan, but He may or may not share the details of that plan with you. You may it may be God's will for you to know everything, and it may be God's will for you to not know anything and feel completely in the dark, just blindly following him step after step, hoping that somehow this is going to make sense eventually. And it could be that God's plan for you is a little bit of both. But he is in control. He does have a plan. But he doesn't promise you all the details. He doesn't promise you that it's always going to make sense. He doesn't promise you that things are going to go the way that you anticipated that he is in control. Verse 21. Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, 
O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord, <clears throat> and the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. And the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. Now I know that God had a plan that wasn't like Elijah's plan. It wasn't like the widow's plan. God had a plan not to make Elijah look so great, not to make the widow look so great, but God had a plan to do what God is always doing that we just sometimes remember it, and that is this. God's plan was to bring glory to himself. To himself. Now, in our economy, in our way of thinking, that sounds very selfish, and that sounds like some sort of cruel God, but it's not your universe. It's God's universe. And this is the thing that... Our primary calling, that's our next point, our primary calling, whether if you're a child of God, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your primary calling in your life is to bring glory to God. Plain and simple. Bring glory to God. It's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's not about what you think is best. Our primary calling is to bring God the glory. Our mission statement here at Living Hope is glory to God, hope to people. We're going to do everything we can as a church to bring the maximum amount of glory to God as possible. We're not about building the Jeff Myers kingdom, the Living Hope kingdom. We're not about building any of that. We're building the kingdom of God. He alone deserves the glory. He alone is going to get it from Living Hope Church. And we are going to be a church that will seek His glory even when it's not obvious. Even when it seems like Satan is winning, even when it seems like things are going the exact opposite of the way that we think that they should go, we're going to find, find God's glory in that situation because it's there if you look hard enough. All it takes is people who will put their own selfishness aside, put their own hurts and hang-ups and everything else aside, and instead look to point to God and point to His glory, point people to Him, even in the best of times, even in the worst of times. But we're going to bring God the glory. That's our primary calling in life. And the second, the next point is this, is that your, uh, the path to God's glory may not involve your own glory. It may not until later. Later, someday, it's going to happen. Someday, the Bible promises us that God's going to hit that reboot button. All of creation is going to be set back the way He intended it. We will be given glorified bodies and glorified spirits. We will be joining with Him fully in His glory. And, and, and everything is going to be the way it should be. Glory is coming. But for now, in the here and now, the path to giving God the glory may not include you getting glory. May not. It could be that what God has for you is uh, victory. It could be that what God has for you is some level of success in the way that you follow Him, in the way that you live your life or whatever. It could be that He chooses some uh, for victory and success here and now so that other people can look to those people and become encouraged and see God's glory in that situation. God takes His weak vessels and makes them strong. He loves doing that. But it could be that God's plan for your life is different than that. It could be you never see the kind of glory, the kind of success, the kind of whatever it is you're looking for. It could be that your role is to glorify God despite your circumstances. I'm going to tell you something. In my mind, there is nothing, there's no witness more powerful 
than a person whose life, by all appearances, would seem like it's just spiraling out of control. And that person can still lift up their head and say, to God be the glory. There's nothing more beautiful than that. Nothing. And we are called to be people who will point to God, who will bring glory to God no matter what the situation. One of the um, missionaries that we got to meet, Jamie made a reference to earlier, uh, a couple, uh, Tom, and uh, I can't think of her name now. Remember her name? Palmers? Uh, anyway, uh, the Palmers. A beautiful couple in their 80s. They had been on the field uh, in Papua New Guinea for over 60 years. <laughs> over 60 years. And he began to tell me one day of, of a story of how uh, for a lot of years, you know, the, the, the people in the tribes of Papua New Guinea, they have very twisted, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of, it's like animism mixed with Christianity type really weird beliefs. And, and, uh, and so, uh, and one of the things that they believe is they believe that Americans are actually um, reincarnated ancestors of theirs that, that are sent back to bring them good things. And, and so the, when the missionaries go into these tribes and begin to and, and, you know, reach out to them, can we come and live with you and share the gospel? They're like, yeah, definitely bring the good stuff, right? And so they set up camp, and they're very careful. You, if we've, we've talked to Nate and Elizabeth Clausane about this before. They're very careful not to shower things on these people because they don't want to send that message. But in the back of the people's minds, they're constantly thinking, there's good stuff coming. They're just holding it. They're withholding it from me right now. And then as the gospel for the Palmers, you know, they'd been there 60 years, as the gospel began to go out to the tribe that they were working with and, and began to take root and to change lives, and people began to really genuinely get it, and churches were planted around the tribal area, and pastors were raised up, and elders were raised up, and, and, and it began to thrive all on its own. And then after 40 years, after spending 40 years of ministry with these people, um, Tom Palmer was sharing me that, he had hit a really rough patch um, just with his own spirit in terms of he was, something hit him hard. He was very depressed. He was really um, just kind of down and uh, depressed, that sort of thing. And, and as, as, as it hit him the hardest, he gets a phone call uh, from one of the guys uh, local that says, I need you to come, or it was from his wife, that said, you need to come to the house. There's some guys here that need to talk to you. And so he goes to his house. There's a whole slew of people from the tribe out there to meet him. And they begin to say to him, it has, it has just now sunk in with us that you're, you're not keeping anything from us. You came and you gave us everything. You came and you gave us everything. We, all this time, we thought you were hiding things from us. In, in the back of our minds, we would think this, and we know that you came and you, get, you gave up everything and you gave us everything that we would ever need in the gospel. And now tonight we want to we shake your hand and we want to say thank you. And he, he walked out of his house and walked in down a line of, of, of men and women who would shake his hand and just say thank you. And he said that was the first time in 40 years that he heard the word thank you from those people. See, the path to God's glory may not involve your glory. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about him. I love my kids. I love them a lot. And, uh, and you, you know, if, if all I ever did for my kids was to say, you know, I'm going to put a roof over your head, I'm going to put food in your mouth. I'm going to send you to school, I'm going to put clothes on your back. That's it. Some people would look at that and say, okay, he's a decent enough dad. He doesn't go over above and on, but he's a good dad. He provides. 
It's not enough for me to just provide. I love my kids, and I love giving them good things. I love giving them good gifts. I love seeing them pleased when I get to bless them. There's a, um, a, a story I read in a Max Lucado book several years ago. And in this book, he tells a story of um, uh, going back and looking at some of his old journals. And he, fi- he finds a, a journal entry where one day him and his family were at a, a party of a friend, and he had a little girl at the time. And um, while everybody was in the house with the party, uh, the little girl went out back. And uh, when they walked out back to kind of, they had noticed she was missing, they walked out back to find her. She is face down in the pool doing the dead man's float. And he just talked about the fear that just washed over him. And, and just, they get her out, they work on reviving her, they get her revived, they get her to the hospital. She's happy and everything's fine. She, she's, she's perfectly fine, but it was a very, very scary moment for him. And then that, that night in his journal, as he's looking back over his journals, he had wrote this statement. He said, God, thank you for saving my daughter. You are such a good God. You're such a good God. He said, as I, as I sat there reading, reading that journal entry, it, it, it kind of hit me. Would, would God be any less good if he hadn't saved her that day? Would he be any less good? As painful as this answer is and as frustrating sometimes as the answer is, the answer is no, he's, he's, he's a good God. And life happens to us and Things sometimes go the way we want them to go, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes things are unexpected. But when we become the type of Christ followers who will choose to seek God's glory despite our circumstances, despite our circumstances, then God becomes like... (laughs) I've got to reword this because that was going to be heresy. I was going to say God becomes like me. We become like God, all right? In the example I was giving earlier, where just the way I love to give my children good gifts, if all God ever gave us was the fact that he sent his son for us and made a way for us to live in a relationship with him, if that's all he ever did for us, that would be enough and he would be a good God. But he is a loving father who also loves to bless us and loves to give us good gifts. But this is the thing. We need to be the kind of children who will say glory to God no matter what the circumstance. No matter what the circumstance. You serve a God that loves you, that cares about you, but glory to God no matter what. No matter what. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your word to us today. And and, uh, it's not the kind of word necessarily that sends people in droves running to an altar to give their life to you because, well, your word... Um, thank you, thank God, is truthful instead of a fairy tale. God, I thank you that you tell us um, that you will love us, that you will provide for us, that you will lead us, that you will be our God. And you also tell us that we shouldn't be surprised if we suffer. We shouldn't expect to get out of life free card. But instead, we can expect that you will walk with us through whatever life brings us. Thank you for that. God, um, I'm sure all across this room there are people going through uh, situations that they're having a hard time uh, focusing on you in. That their tendency is to focus on themselves and their own pain and their own frustration and their own fear, whatever it might be. 
God, right now, would you begin to help them to find you in those situations? And rather than only asking you to change the situation, rather than only asking you to uh, follow their plans, God, that they would just give themselves over to your plans for their their, their lives and bring you glory no matter what that means. No matter what it means. With nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. I just wonder if there's anybody in the room that um, maybe you're kind of on the fringe. You're you're not sure whether you want to be a part of this whole faith thing, Christianity thing, whatever it is, and you're just not sure. Can I, maybe can I just challenge you? I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna paint it prettier than what it is. I'm gonna tell you the way God tells us. It's a beautiful life, but it's not always an easy life. It's it's life. It's life. I can tell you that if you give yourself to Christ today completely and you say, God, do with me whatever you will, you are going to have incredible days serving him where he, is, uh, where, he, where he makes himself known and he is real and he is powerful. And then you are going to have days where life hits you in the stomach and it takes you a year to catch your breath. But God is there. And to him be the glory. Because he knows everything that we don't. If you'd like to be a part of a relationship with a God like that, who is not going to lie to you, who instead is just going to be with you, truth and all. If you'd like to be a part of a body of believers here at Living Hope, who will not judge you, but instead will accept you and help you draw closer to Christ. And we will not lie to you and tell you that life is going to be perfect after you accept Christ. And we'll just, we'll just we're, all we're going to do is put our arm around you and tell you we're going to be here right there with you every step of the way, no matter what happens on weekdays and on strong days and on days where you are a total failure and on days when you feel like you've gotten the victory, we will be here with you and God will be here with you and we will do this life together all the way up until the end when we finally get to see and experience God in all his glory and he shares that glory completely with us. We will be here. So this is what I want to, we're going to dismiss him here, here in just a second. If that's you and you're like, I want to be a part of that kind of faith, that kind of church family, I'm going to be hanging out over here on the other side of this little black curtain up against the wall. Uh, There might be some other people that join me over there that would love to come and pray with you. Would you just walk over there and just say, just just pray with me and we'll, we'll begin to pray with you and help you begin that journey of following God. We would love to do that with you today. He is good and he alone is worthy of our praise. I want to challenge you to start giving it to him today. Start giving it to him today. Father, again, we love you and we thank you for your word. God, lead us and guide us in the direction that you want us to go. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.